Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo for Michael Jr. That is me, with me as always, weeping in the party bathroom, some actress asking him what happened you. That's what happened to you. Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Is that some something from this podcast Taylor Swift just put out? It's not. It's from another podcast that Taylor Swift put out, if we're going to refer to her albums as podcast. I can't even, <laughs> Brandon, tolerate your... I can't even worry about you attempting to slander, even if that is light slander at best, Taylor Swift. Happy Friday, everybody listening. Happy Midnight's Day, everybody who stayed up and internalized this absolute ball of joy. We have an outstanding podcast for you guys today. Jazzed about this one because, boy, oh boy, did Thursday night into Friday morning decide to drop an absolute bomb on our heads. Obviously, NFL weekend coming up. We're going to have our six thick picks. Brandon's spooky Locktober underdog play of the weekend coming up. We'll look at some of the games coming up this weekend. But God in heaven, last night we got a new album from Taylor Swift. Midnight's dropped, gave us that business, her 10th studio album, jazzed. Full review of that coming at the end because God in heaven do I have feelings about that that are erupting out of my body. And Brandon, simultaneously, as a nation was gearing up for Taylor Swift to just insert herself into our ears again in a way that will fundamentally change me at a cellular level for the rest of my life, football also decided to lose its fucking mind. What do you mean by, oh, 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 yes, news happened, news happened, Mike, news <laughs> well, happened, yes, and I know we'll get there, Mike, but I just, I, I decided instead of being a negative Nancy, is take that energy that you're giving and inject it 
straight into my veins, heat up the spoon and get it into me. And, and I, I feel it, Mike, and I just can't, I can't wait to talk about everything. It, there are very few things that do this to me. Like, I'm genuinely excited to talk about Christian McCaffrey being traded from the Carolina Panthers to the 49ers. I am genuinely excited to talk about that. (laughs) We had Thursday night football happen, and that's about all we could say about it. It happened. There's technically some exciting plays, especially relative to what we've seen recently on Thursday nights. Christian McCaffrey being traded from the Panthers to the 49ers is legitimate blockbuster stuff. But goddamn, Brandon, this woman doesn't know how to miss. It's physically impossible for her. It truly is. I, 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 I'm I glowing I, right now. Download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Tell me your favorite song from Midnight's in the review. And also, watch us on YouTube and the DraftKings YouTube channel at the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist so you can see me beaming right now. I am glowing. It's giving it so much life. It is, and it's hard for me not to be slightly annoyed. I'm trying to – I want to champion you. But, Mike, you tell me. What you, what do you want for this podcast? Do you want me to yes and you in your excitement for Midnight's and Taylor Swift and everything that she's done in this 10th studio album? Or can I just – fall back into what I generally feel uh, when you when you bring up Taylor Swift, when I think about the first 30 seconds of the album that I heard, when I think about her starting with Lavender Haze, the, the, the term that she got from Mad Men that means love. Like, what, what, what version of me would you like? I want the version that's most natural to you. And you know what, Brandon? I want you to save that version for the end when we actually break down this album because I want to work chronologically okay. because it all actually does work together. Walk with me yeah. on this. True. Let's start with last night, all right? Thursday night football happened last night. Mm-hmm. We had the Saints and the Cardinals playing a game. Interesting on a number of levels. The Cardinals end up winning 42-34 to in this game, largely off the backs of their defense. Andy Dalton Ooh. threw three interceptions in the first half. Two of those were pick sixes. And really, yep. the game was decided from there. The Saints were able to make it pretty interesting, but that was too much of a lead to give in this game. We saw points happen on Thursday night football, which if a you lot. just stop there, Awesome news, right? Relative to what we've had, awesome news. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, for, I for, again forgot to go to Amazon Prime to watch the game. Uh, I'm still in, in that. I'm still an old person in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, scoring started pretty quickly in this thing. And also we got to see Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury yell at each other. And DeAndre Hopkins go off in, in his debut after he had to – take some days off uh, from for his PED suspension. Mina Kime said this when she was on the podcast. She said Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is probably pretty excited that their number one weapon gets a chance to uh, relax the first uh, half of the season, or first few, few weeks of the season. Relative to what's been the issue for this team, there is something to that, that a team that has struggled down the back half of the season, and with Modern Warfare 2 coming out, the jokes that write themselves in this stretch of time for the Cardinals quarterback, who went 20 of 29 for 204 yards and one touchdown in this game, and took two sacks along the way. Brandon, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. That was the other interesting part of this that I was going to get to. DeAndre Hopkins had 10 catches for 103 yards in this game tonight. Came back and made an immediate impact, even if it looked like at times they weren't quite yet on the same page, because because how could they be? They hadn't been working together in these games during that amount of time that he was away. So that was certainly a thing that happened. Chris Olave balled on the other side, as we talked about oh, Michael man. Thomas and um, Jar- and um, 
and Jarvis Landry both being out for this game. Chris Olave, seven for a buck oh six in this one. Uh, didn't get in the end zone, but looked like that dude. So all of that, really good in the body of this game. I don't know what the Saints are with Andy Dalton at quarterback. That's just too big a variable. You've still got all the things happening with Taysom Hill going in there for snaps. It's going to be a little bit of like a trick bag over there with how they have to go about this. The Cardinals, wholly unreliable. I think for the most part, their defense... Very interesting group. They continue to be a very interesting group. From like interesting group. Yes. from third down and five on, the island of misfit toys on that defense, a bunch of tweeners that ten years ago in football wouldn't have had a home, like Isaiah yeah. Simmons, who housed one of those pick six, Zaven Collins at linebacker, who's more of a tweener on the big guy side. Um, yeah, my Jay Sanders, who they drafted out of Cincinnati this past year. They've got a lot of guys that are really interesting fits that make for really cool concepts once you get into third and medium, third and long with what they can do back there. So all of that inherently interesting in this game. Then you get to the third quarter and we get the Taylor Swift teaser that is dropped in the middle of Thursday Night Football. And I don't really want to talk much about that. It was a teaser of all the music videos that she did for the songs on this album. It didn't have any real giveaways. There was some pretty cool stuff in there. I more want to know, because it took up in the third quarter of this game, I'd say a couple of minutes max of time. I want to know how many millions of dollars she was paid. Because I assume it was millions of dollars, Brandon. Why do you, why? You don't think that she got something out of that? I mean, she, listen, Brandon, she technically got promotion out of that. She did not need it. Like, she did not need that. What they offered us in that clip was very little, in all honesty. So you think that she got money, she got money to shoot all of her music videos in advance of this uh, album coming out. I mean, she was going to have that shit up. She was going to have them shot in advance. Okay. Okay. I okay. okay. I'm just, I just saying. I it it seems I, like I don't know how your brain works in the sense of like everything that happens that's Taylor Swift. It is uh, God's. It, it's it's the gift. People are, are are lucky to get the content. I'm just saying, Brandon. If I were Thursday Night Football, that had largely struggled because it had terrible. Well, I shouldn't say struggled. I don't know how the ratings are doing. Had terrible games so far. If I was the night of the week and the game of the week that people enjoyed slandering the most, and I thought, what's an interesting way to not just get the same eyeballs to stay? Because you could make an argument that the Venn diagram of NFL fans and hardcore Taylor Swift fans is not something that has a ton of overlap. But if I'm Jeff Bezos and I'm Roger Goodell, who are constantly in search of more people putting eyes on their product, the reason Jeff Bezos is doing all this shit with Thursday nights is to continue to get people to sign up for Amazon Prime. The reason Roger Goodell is doing this is to continue to track new eyeballs to the league. It's why they do all these different things out of the country and all these different things on different streaming platforms. If I wanted to get another section of audience over there, an extremely rabid fan base who will consume viciously anything that this commodity puts out i would probably put taylor swift in the middle of the third quarter of a thursday night football game that's all i'm saying is i think they stood to benefit from her audience coming over a lot more than she stands to benefit from the nfl audience casually viewing whatever she's putting out here on display that's my thought process okay if you can't say anything nice you don't say anything at all 
I, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to be proven wrong on this, but again, I struggle to see how the NFL is giving her more. Now, uh, shout out to Al Michaels for doing the easy misogyny at that point in time when it came up and telling her curb street that if he had daughters, I'm sure that they would be excited that Taylor Swift has all this stuff coming wow. out. I can assure you. Plenty of sons. Very fired up on that. We won't spend too much time on it because it was a lazy thing that Al did. And it's, you know, again, <laughs> the source of someone who is you know, probably a little bit out of their depth in that regard. But again, True. plenty of sons out here. Very much enjoying and very much excited for the content that Taylor Swift's putting out. So that's where all those things came together. So you had that happen in the third quarter of this Thursday night game. And then in the middle of the fourth quarter... The NFL decides it will do um it will do a news. It will put on its hat and it will do a news. And that news came in the form of Carolina Panthers running back being traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Now, we know the Carolina Panthers just fired Matt Rule, probably looked like a team that's been inching towards cratering for a while and is getting ready to start anew. The quarterback situation didn't work out with Baker Mayfield, who's now hurt. Sam Darnold's coming back from being hurt. It's a tire fire there, and so they're selling off parts. One of the easiest parts to think about selling off is a running back you're paying a bunch of money to. So they sent Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. The 49ers, in exchange, sent a second, third, and fourth round pick in 2023 and a fifth round pick in 2024 so three picks in the upcoming draft and one pick in the 2024 draft in exchange for Christian McCaffrey Brandon there's a lot of tentacles to this and I think that two things can be true at once when this happens number one my first thought was wow this is borderline pornographic given what we know about Kyle Shanahan's <laughs> offense, right? Kyle Shanahan's offense that leads the league in answers to the question of if you could build a football team out of only one player replicated 22 times and used on both sides of the ball, who would you Man. use? Because you've got Trent Williams, you've got Nick Bosa, you've got George Kittle, you've got um, Debo Samuel, and now you've got Christian McCaffrey that could probably fall into that vein. He'd be on the smaller side. I'd have worried about us being a, be able to stop the run. But you get my point. They've got a million of these jack-of-all-trades pieces, especially on offense, in an offense that loves moving it around and fucking you up from every direction. It's possible to think about that on one side and say, man, that's pretty cool. And to also say... That's a lot of picks to give up for a position that you have been able to make guys look really good at not spending a lot of capital before this. And I shouldn't even say that because they have spent a lot of capital at running back, Brandon. They've spent a lot of capital and draft capital in general, and especially on this position, despite the fact that every year since Kyle Shanahan got there, they have not had the same player lead the team in rushing in back-to-back -back seasons. Since 2017, Jeff Wilson, I believe, is the only player to lead the team in rushing twice, their current rushing leader, but no one has done it in back-to-back -back seasons. So it's possible to look at that and say, is this an overspend relative to the position, and is it really going to be the thing that gets you over the hump, the Super Bowl hump, that we know that's what this team is worried about, while yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback? Is going all in right now, while Jimmy Garoppolo is your starting quarterback, really the most advisable strategy given what we already know about that player and that team and the results that we've seen i think chris mccaffrey exactly what jimmy garoppolo needs i think this is a gift to jimmy garoppolo more than it is a gift to the 49ers in their franchise if that if, is that fair to say like i don't see chris mccaffrey 
as a prototype 49er offensive weapon as much as I see him as a more talented Cole Beasley that will help Jimmy Garoppolo drop it off the way Baker Mayfield had when he had Christian McCaffrey all season long. Well, so Christian McCaffrey had accounted for, I believe, 40% of Carolina's offense so far on this season. It's something wholly insane like that. One of the worries with Christian McCaffrey is obviously injury, especially after last season. We know that's the looming specter with all this. Running backs in general, that's a certain worry about this. Brandon, I think he fits really well into the idea of what that offense is. I mean, we've seen them play a receiver at running back for the last couple, you know, for the last season. Yeah. Very well, to the point where now you've got everyone looking for a Debo Samuel type in this league. But again, when you look up and down this team, and you look at the running backs that they have made into their top rusher. Last year, Elijah Mitchell was their top rusher, a 2021 sixth-round pick. 2020, Jeffrey Wilson, a 2018 undrafted free agent. 2019, Raheem Mostert, a 2015 undrafted free agent journeyman. 2018, Matt Breida, a 2017 undrafted free agent. And 2017, Carlos Hyde was your leading rusher. He was a 2014 second-round pick by the San Francisco 49ers in his last season there. You have not needed a marquee talent as far as the capital you have spent in that backfield, but that hasn't stopped them from spending picks on guys like Trey... um, like uh, Trey, uh, Trey Merce, Trey, God, I'm messing up his name right now. I'll pull it up. You say what you're going to say because your face is making a face. Trey, <laughs> Trey, Trey Sermon, the running back out of Ohio that they drafted. Oh, Ohio, yes, yes, who, yes, Trey yeah, Sermon. Obviously did not pan out. No, but I do think that Chris McCaffrey is the answer to that problem. I do think he is their consistent leading rusher for that team. He is their new Frank Gore. Like he, what does he have? A uh, hundred yards of scrimmage for the last five games in a row. Uh, the 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 most in the active streak right I'm, now. I, I think. guess I'm not saying he's not versatile and he's not valuable. I'm just saying at that position, the value above replacement. What you get having Christian McCaffrey there versus just another body at a lower price mm. is that price tag worth it? That's always the equation at running back because it, it's. Even in that offense, again, you've been able to interchange pieces at that spot and still get really good production out of it. That's why spending this kind of price tag, even for a player as talented as Christian McCaffrey, can kind of be a head-scratcher. Yeah, I, I see it. It's kind of like what the what the Dallas Cowboys are, are looking at right now. It's like, yeah, we can yes. draft a guy, right? Like, we can draft a guy and, and him be productive. But Christian McCaffrey... And this is why you spend so much. Now, obviously, it's the 49ers spending so much, so you're looking at them sideways anyways. It's like, okay, this is Daddy Warbucks overspending just because, uh, you know, somebody wants a golden goose. Like, give it to her. Uh, <laughs> whatever it costs, make sure she gets it. Like, I think I do think that Chris McCaffrey is a, that little bit more – he's special. That's what I'm trying to say. He is a legit superstar in the NFL. I, I don't know if he – I have a problem paying this much for someone who is coming off of a season where he was injured. Uh, I think that that's a big – like, I would prefer a Derrick Henry style of, like – Well, Derrick true... Henry also coming off injury, too, so. Yeah, but he uh, – yes, yes, but he didn't – he wasn't out as much as Chris McCaffrey was out. Chris McCaffrey, what? So, uh, I just wanted to read off a list of, like – because again, you're you're right in that Christian McCaffrey is super talented. 
And again, style-wise, I think a very interesting fit in this offense, and a very good fit. He is a good player, and he's a player that will make them better. The question is how much better and at what cost, because you're entering like sunk cost fallacy territory with the 49ers. This is a list. Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus put this tweet out. Since 2021, this is what the 49ers have spent on running backs. A 2023 second-round pick. Three third-round picks. One in 2021, 22, and 23. A 23 fourth-round pick, a 24 fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick in 2021. All of those picks have been spent on running backs. Where's your pause with that? That it's a position that has comparatively less value to your overall bottom line in the end. Like it's not. I, I don't. Want, I'm not doing the running backs don't matter thing. Running backs. No, I know. Matter. I, know I, I very much. Yes. Like, I'm. I don't want to get into that argument. I'm just saying. Forget even league average, where that's kind of the conversation we have. I'm saying particular to this San Francisco offense, you have been able to take basically whoever you've got back there. Not saying those guys aren't talented. Not saying those guys don't deserve love. Raheem Mostert's a legit track star. Jeffrey Wilson's done this twice for you, just not in successive years. Matt Breida is a very good player. All of those things are true. But you've been able to, no matter who's back there, turn a different person into the top rusher on that team. It says something about a scheme that we know is one of the most unique rushing schemes in the NFL year in and year out that gives players a chance because you've got so many moving parts, so many Debo Samuels and George Kittles and now Brandon Ayuk's to worry about that you're going to have room to run. And you've got a pretty good offensive line in front of them that's going to get Trent Williams back. All of those things that say is spending what I just read to you on that position and having as many misses as you had worth it relative to now your maybe the thought is where else do you spend it you've already got one of the best linebackers in the NFL your defensive lines chock full of first rounders you know the wide receiver room we just listed off has some really talented guys but again this is a team where it still feels like all right as you spend that kind of capital you're still staring at Jimmy Garoppolo and going, this organization, not me, not anyone else, this organization did not think he could win them a Super Bowl. And so they spent the world to go up and get Trey Lance. And so now the same organization that didn't think he could win them a Super Bowl thinks that Christian McCaffrey might be the difference. That's what this kind of looks like to me. Yeah, but Mike, I feel like Les Snead and John Lynch... Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay, they're all peas in one pod, and they all think F them picks. Like, literally, fuck them picks. Like, those picks are, are, are pieces. They, they're, it's, it's, they can get those picks back as soon as they decide to move Joey Bosa. Like, I, I feel like there's a reality to them just playing the game to win now, and right now they have Jimmy Garoppolo, and they don't have – anything else for the foreseeable future so as 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 great as Chris McCaffrey is shiny toy and the amount of picks that and and money that's going his way uh, that would make it seem like he's a franchise guy you just made a franchise move all these franchises are making Super Bowl moves and I think Chris McCaffrey is a Super Bowl move for the 49ers this year I just don't think the difference he makes elevates you past what you already indicated Jimmy Garoppolo's ceiling is with this team that's 
My, he absolutely raises that seal, that that, but that floor. Not, he he does not close the gap that you had between Jimmy Garoppolo and Super Bowl meaningfully enough for me to say like you already had a team that when the defense is balling was going to be close in this year's NFC. But you, you clearly need a lot of things to happen. Brandon, they're one Nick Bosa injury away or Trent Williams going back down from this not mattering all that much. Like, I can say definitively, Nick Bosa is more important to this team than Christian McCaffrey Mike, will be. Absolutely. You really? Yes. You Brandon, really, I mean, Brandon, I mean that with 100. You have zero value in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. You have yes. z- it sounds no, like you have Brandon, zero I'm, I'm value saying, in him. We've already, we've already seen what the equation looks like with Jimmy. We're not saying he got better over an offseason where he had shoulder surgery and wasn't taking reps with the ones. That's not how you get better at football. He did not get better this offseason. And so if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't improve to that level this offseason... You're saying that this is the difference. I'm just saying that, again, relative importance to things. Jimmy Garoppolo, we've already seen, Nick Bosa's already been hurt so far this season. Nick Bosa is a more important player to the success of this team than Christian McCaffrey will be, full stop. Full stop. Yeah, but they already got they already got Nick Bosa. They got I'm, him in the draft. I guess, and they, they, no, they, I, he was a first-round pick. I, I understand that, Brandon. What I'm saying is... This move with Christian McCaffrey being viewed as the difference between Super Bowl, I'm saying you've already got an injured Nick Bosa who injured a groin and is coming back and you hope stays healthy, but that's not a guarantee. And I'm saying you're one of his groin away from going down of negating whatever you gained with Christian McCaffrey coming over. I don't know, Mike. I I feel like that offense is... Like Jimmy Garoppolo is a lot better than you think he is. Like I feel like you you're I, generally I, disrespecting backup quarterbacks. Like like you, I think you just called a him a backup of, quarterback. You just called him a backup he was, quarterback. He was, and so is Geno Smith, and he is starting in for the Seahawks and leading them into 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 and wins. Playing and we'll much my better. Spooky, my sp- and he is playing much better than Jimmy Garoppolo has played. Not ever. Brandon, show me this. Not season. ever. I, you know what? Hold on. You keep keep talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm just saying. Okay, in a season, in a stretch, yes, but collectively, I like what I see from Jimmy Garoppolo's balls at times. Pause or yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen. To be fair, there's probably a lot of people that would agree with that statement. Like I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm talking about his literal both balls. ways. No, I'm talking about his okay, literal okay, balls. I know. I know you're, I know, but I am talking about his literal balls that he throws, the brown ones. And, uh, yeah, Mike, I just feel like, I feel like you're, you're disrespecting, like, the two deep at quarterback is important because of moments like this. Like, Cooper Rush exists for a reason. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to, to completely just denounce uh, a quarterback's abilities because they're sitting behind somebody, including one that we've seen a lot of. Because that's why I bring up Geno Smith. He proves that you can. It's not teaching the old dog new tricks. It's just that situations occur, and one of the situations that can occur for Jimmy G is you get Christian McCaffrey in your backfield. You already had Debo Samuel in your backfield. You already yeah, and they have paid had. He was and he. You've already had that's guys one. that that's are talented. one of them, Mike. You've already had. That's I, one. Listen, again, I'm not saying you need he doesn't a lot. make that offense better. You bring up the point with Geno Smith. Geno Smith sat behind closed doors for, what, seven, eight years? We didn't know what was going on there. We saw Jimmy Garoppolo two years ago. We know who he is, but and that, he didn't get better. But if Trey Lance better. never got hurt, 
If, if Trey Lance never got hurt, Mike, we could have been saying the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's like, we haven't seen him start for years. And we haven't seen him start for no, we no, haven't there would be no for, reason to move Jimmy Garoppolo. We haven't seen Garoppolo him start for a year. We hadn't seen him start for a year if Trey hadn't got hurt. And again, Jimmy Garoppolo okay, but, had shoulder surgery this offseason, was not taking reps with the ones. Show me the last football player that has gotten not better traded. doing that. Wasn't was traded, traded because was he was moved. fucking hurt. If Jimmy Garoppolo never got hurt, he's on a different team this year. 100%. Without fail, without question. I don't believe that. I, I mean, I don't I, believe that. I believe I believe that I believe the 49ers saw saw the value. They saw value relative to what they could get for a hurt backup quarterback. I don't want to turn this that into slander. That is named Jimmy Garoppolo. Brandon, I don't want to turn this into slandering Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback who will be someone's starter next year. He is a quarterback that the team he is currently employed by believed was not good enough to get him to where they wanted to go, and so they spent three first-round picks going up to get a different one. They did that. I did not do that. So that's why I'm That was why he was a starter. Huh? I'm saying they, they made that move while he was a starter. Yeah, they made that move while he was a starter because he was not good enough. What, did they do it because they were bored? Did they do it because they like lighting first-round picks on fire? Did they do it just because it was fun? I, I, I have... I have a feeling that we think about picks a little bit differently than they do. Yes, I do. I do think so. I do think so. I don't. I do think so. I don't think it's all that different. So, arguing about Jimmy Garoppolo aside, that's the whole point of yeah. this. Is that again? I go. I go back to my central point, which is, I still think you're going to have a hard time, especially if we get to the postseason and we're talking about on the other side of things. Because with the NFC this year, kind of a crapshoot. Philadelphia, obviously the most consistent team of the bunch. And then after that, we're sort of searching. And so the 49ers could absolutely, in this year's NFC West, absolutely viable path to the postseason. With the way the Rams' offensive line looks right now, they look like they absolutely should win that division if you're looking around at the rest of this on paper. And then when you get to the postseason, the question is going to become... When you are put in a position like you were in the Super Bowl, because you can get to the Super Bowl with that roster, are you going to beat one of the teams with the alien on the other side because you have Christian McCaffrey now? And I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't think it's yes. And it- I, I think, I think, I think alien trading is for the regular season. Does that make sense? The the, the 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 comparativeness of, of aliens, because I do think in the postseason, it's just about the team and the complementary football and how well they're playing together. Alien ball is for the regular season. Rarely does alien ball lead to a Super Bowl. When, what? You looking at me crazy? You it led, disagree? It led to a Super Bowl in 2020. Patrick Mahomes is an alien. They won the Super Bowl in 2020. Okay. I'm tired. We, we got we to gotta move on. Let's argue about something else. Well, I will say this. You could argue that the value of their picks was just so they could get to this stat that Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's father, played for Mike Shanahan as the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, and now Kyle Shanahan will coach his son, Christian. So if you wanted to go to the full nepotism bowl, that you could do that. And I don't say that in a judgmental way. I just say that is the same way I talk about my own case and my own experience with nepotism. It's a reality, and then you have to still go be really good and get there. So, 
I, we were on the phone and you talk, You told me that the news broke. I was like, is Christian McCaffrey's dad working for them now? Like, this is the first thing I saw. I was like, how did this deal get done? No, his dad used to work for them, though. And now that all happened. So, again, <laughs> like, really exciting move. And I am going to have so much fun watching Christian McCaffrey in this offense. I don't want all the stuff that yeah. I just said to sound like I'm not pumped to see how this looks. And in this year's NFC, as long as you can keep those other key parts healthy, this has a chance to be one of the most fun rushing offenses we've seen in quite some time because that's what Kyle's been putting out there. You just don't have faith. Well, yeah, if you're asking me to have, like, Top end faith in Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes, the answer is no. I like I have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo to get you to the playoffs. Do I have top end faith in Jimmy Garoppolo to win you games because it's Jimmy Garoppolo back there? No, absolutely not. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo back there anymore. It's it's, it's he, he and CMC. Oh my god! All right, guys, let's talk about Jagermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right. Um, well, now that we got all that Run out of CMC. the way. Run CMC. Now that we got all that out of the way. So, again, one of the most exciting nights top to bottom I can remember in quite some time. It was an absolute blast. Thursday night football. Fun time again. Who knew it could be possible? So, now that we've established Thursday Night Football, good again at least for this week in large part because of Taylor Swift and wild NFL trades. Let's look ahead to the NFL weekend, Brandon, that can best be defined by this statistic. There is only one game in Week 7 in which both teams have a winning record. And it's the Colts against the Titans. That is why... I was wondering, I was like, why are they highlighting this game during the Thursday night football game? I was like, like an AFC, North, an AFC South battle? Yeah. Because like, it's, it's the, the only it's game. the only game with teams above 500. The 3-2-1 and one Colts take on the 3-2 and two Titans Sunday in the 1 o'clock window. Besides that, that's because we have got the Eagles, the Bills, the Vikings and the Rams all on a bye this week. The Rams are at 500 right now, but the 6-0 and Eagles uh, and the 5-1 and Bills and Vikings both on a bye this week as well. So that's why we're in the situation that we're in. And so there are very few games, Brandon, that I think stick out. Like, obviously, there's ones that have become interesting now, right? The Giants against the Jags is an interesting right. game based on the way the Giants season's gone and the downward trajectory for the Jags since we saw them beat up on the Colts earlier in this season. But I think there were two that I found myself most interested in. The first one was Kansas City at San Francisco, the team that we just spent so much time talking about. Because you've got Patrick Mahomes, we talked about alien ball on one side. 
a Chiefs team that yeah. is devoid of that one marquee weapon that we saw lose them the game against Buffalo. I think in large part because on both sides of the ball, you have got one true wrecking ball that you can account for. That's not to say Chris Jones isn't a great player, but we know edge rusher is a little bit different, especially the way Von Miller went out and has been able to impact games so far for them. And then Stephon Diggs on the other side when you've got no Tyreek Hill. Now going up against San Francisco, who again, for all the conversation we just had, Get Trent Williams back more than likely this week and Nick Bosa. Huge for that team. The two most important Mm -hmm. players on their front sevens on either side of the ball potentially coming back in the same week. Massive news there. Interesting matchup for Patrick Mahomes. The Niners play a ton of zone. Patrick Mahomes has seen the second lowest amount of zone defense so far in this NFL season. It was a huge part of what gave them trouble last year, so it'll be very interesting to watch. The Nick Bosa factor in that, the hugest one of all. We go back to that Super Bowl. He was almost the Super Bowl MVP because he had like 15 pressures in that game. It was insane. So... All of that makes this one really interesting. Can the Chiefs, because I keep thinking, the margin of victory is going to be really, really low for them most of the year because they're not a super explosive team anymore. And especially with this Niners team playing that kind of defense, it becomes really interesting what this could look like. So that's the first game that stuck out to me. Do you agree on that one at least? Yeah, I mean, it's... When you're not chasing the record, you're chasing the aliens. And it's Patrick Mahomes playing. You know. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are Patrick two and a half Mahomes point favorites good. on the road. By the way, Chiefs two and a half point favorites on the road. Yeah, I mean, and I feel I feel like that's giving too much respect to the 49ers defense. But yes, Patrick Mahomes versus a good defense every week. We'll take it. Yes, and we've already said after last week we need to make. I think I heard Bomani Jones say this on his podcast. We need to make sure that Bills Chiefs happens every year, at least once a year. We'll probably get it again in the playoffs, would be my guest in the AFC this season, but we need to make sure that thing happens because it's incredible. And right now, it seems like that thing could happen in Buffalo this postseason instead of in Kansas City based on how the one seed's going to shake out. And boy, oh boy, would that be a wild setting for Bill's Mafia to get a chance to show out for that. I have to get up there, Mike. You've ever been up there, Buffalo, for a game? I have not been up to Buffalo for a game. I've covered myself in condiments outside of a dumpster on the ESPN campus in an attempt to endear myself to the Bills Mafia, but I haven't been up there yet. Mike, I thought that was real. I thought, like, I thought that picture was of you with Bills Mafia. No, I, it, listen, just a a a clever reenactment but far, far away from that, unfortunately. So Eric Wood, obviously a friend of the podcast, Louisville's very own former Bills offensive lineman who works for them. So maybe Wood can hook us up at some point and we can go out and get up to a game in Buffalo because that would be a good time. Um, Betting-wise, probably – I probably wouldn't go near that. If you put a gun to my head and asked me just based on the fact that the 49ers' key pieces coming back are injured, I would probably lean Chiefs in this one. Um I think the over-under in this game, 48-and-a-half. Yes, that's what I want to talk about. I'd I'd probably lean under on that. I think you'd have to. I I, I think just – I always go by – I mean, I'm telling people are betting things. But the Chiefs, how much have they actually been scoring recently? Because I don't know if the 49ers can even attempt that. But, oh, yeah, well, yeah, they they, they score score 41 points. (laughs) to beat the the, the uh, Bucks earlier this month. Yeah, so listen, I like the, it is possible, but I think... The over. 
All right. Well, we'll be split. We'll be split decision on that one. That is not an official pick for this coming weekend, and that's why I couched it with all of that uncertainty, so you guys would stay far away because that is not making it into the six thick picks for this weekend. <laughs> the other game that ends up being interesting this weekend, Brandon, is Detroit at Dallas. Not because on paper I think that the Detroit Lions are capable of doing this anymore, because their defense just does not appear to be in the right place. It is because Rain Dakota Prescott is going to be back under center for the Cowboys. We have reached the end of the Cooper Rush life cycle, and so now Dak Prescott. Scott is going to be back under center for the boys and we always talk about this with rookie quarterbacks when the great places to insert them into a lineup you usually look for coming off of a bye and try to get them to a stretch where they're not going to face bad defenses if you've got a quarterback coming off of injury good place to pop him is against this Detroit Lions team that was part of the reason why Geno Smith is near the top of the league because they went out there and just pumped yards and uh, yards and points like it was going out of style I feel bad I know we love the Lions very pro Detroit Lions after this uh the hard knock season but this looks like a soft landing spot for this team to hopefully go out and do what we've been begging them to do which is not just say Dak's back let's throw it 45 times Mike, this this is the game that has all the makings of an upset for me outside of the two teams' rosters. What do you mean? Like, all the other variables. Does that make any sense to you? Like, like the Lions' opportunity to show their grit and, and bounce back and, and score and, and, and Jared Goff, Goff just lighten it up. And Dak Prescott losing, and the Cowboys losing to the Lions. Like I, I think this is this is all this this is like the perfect, like this could happen. Other than the fact that if you look at both of those teams' rosters, it's impossible. It would be objectively the funniest possible outcome on the weekend, right? If Dak, like, if you're looking for what would sustain the sports take industrial complex for at least it's three days into next week. Dak Prescott coming back and losing this game to the Detroit Lions after Cooper Rush just went 4 and 1 as a starter that would be objectively not only the I shouldn't say funny cuz it's not like I want bad things for Dak Prescott. I don't want him to have to deal with that by all accounts he seems like a good human being. But it would be the most take-filled option because we would somehow drag back from the depths the Jerry Jones wish for some sort of quarterback <laughs> controversy in Dallas that does not exist. Okay, okay, okay. I, I would say we were on the right track as like the most like oh shit moment of the weekend. But I just looked at the points on Dra- DraftKings Sportsbook. The Carolina Panthers, who we just got done talking about as well, are hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're 13-point favorites, Mike, the most out of anyone this weekend. And if the Panthers beat the, the Tom Brady disgruntled Bucks, I think that will be a bigger story than Dak Prescott losing. Wow. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know, man. The Cowboys have a different level of juice. And we've already got the seeds of that built up. Yes. Like, I get, you know what, man? This is, like, this oh, is the Cooper unstoppable oh, force yeah, meets the immovable that. object, right? Tom Brady has been here forever, is the GOAT, pissed off on sidelines. Yep. Shout out to Rob Hainsey coming out and saying, we love that shit when he gets on us here. I enjoy that yeah. being your King Hainsey. You're a good man. 
you have that on one side against a Dallas Cowboys pseudo quarterback controversy. That's not really a quarterback controversy, but the people would try to sell as a quarterback controversy if they manage to lose this game to yes. this team. Yes. Versus Tom yes. Brady pissed off because a team that just, they're arguably their best player, DJ Moore, who's going to remain on that roster. Very good receiver that they have at a very manageable number. But if that were to happen, you're right. That is insane levels of comedy. I mean, it's, it's losing to the worst team in football right now. Who? Who? You might have me on that one. <laughs> I listen because I, I, as I was looking for my my locks of the week for the underdogs, Mike, I I like the Detroit Lions just because I believe in the grit. But you know, like I said, it, it's. The Cowboys, this is a tongue-in-cheek, obviously, but the Cowboys, I imagine, could their defense could play offense and their offense could play defense, and then they still beat the Lions on Sunday. Uh, now, <laughs> like that's Micah Parsons, talented. a quarterback, would be objectively kick-ass. Micah Parsons, I bet, would be a mean triple-option quarterback. If you just like ran the veer with him, now we're cooking. Run pass, yeah. Like, run pass option with him, and then, and then Trayvon Diggs, like, dump it off over the top to him. Uh, all I'm thinking about now is how many college teams could I insert Micah Parsons on as the quarterback and have them win games? <laughs> like it's oh, a non-zero man. number. I mean, there are there are a number of teams yeah, where that would be the case. Just off sheer blunt force trauma, I'd imagine at the collegiate level. But story for story for another hey. day. I think I'm gonna have Ty go to the Dallas Cowboys just because Michael Irvin is on first take, and that scene between him and Stephen A. Smith Ooh. would be so famous for the Cowboys. Because you're right. Listen, the Detroit Lions have more going for them than the Carolina Panthers. It doesn't feel like much at this point, mm-hmm. but they've got more going for them in offensive line and offensive skill weapons, even though a bunch of them have been hurt this season, than the Carolina Panthers. Although the Carolina Panthers do have that defense. And P.J. Walker. Man, that's a real tough one. At Gojo Show on Twitter, I am going to say the Dallas Cowboys losing in that fashion would still be objectively more take-inducing than just Tom Brady's Bucks losing another game to a hapless tailspin Cal- uh, Carolina Panthers team. But I am willing to be proven wrong on that, so at Gojo Show on Twitter is the place that you do that. Um, Brandon, last game before we get to the picks here that I think is just interesting on a like football level this weekend. College football, um, UCLA at Oregon this weekend. UCLA, six-point dogs despite being the only remaining uh, Pac-12 undefeated team right now. Yes, that is, in fact, true. I was just as surprised as your faces right now. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Oregon more than I'm thinking about UCLA, Mike, because obviously DTR is doing his thing for, for UCLA and unbeaten X, Y, and Z. But Oregon, do, do you understand so, this line? I think this is a couple of things here. And one, I'm just double-checking to make sure that is the most up-to-date line I have here because this one's going to come in. Yeah, so UCLA is a six-point dog in this game. Now, this is a couple of things. One, two teams that are very similar in the way that they've gone about winning so far, Mm. right? 
Bo Nix in this offense for Kenny Dillingham has been someone who is a very big dual threat. Both quarterbacks have thrown for over 1,500 yards so far this season. DTR has got 15 touchdown passes to two interceptions. Bo Nix has 12 to three. Nix has rushed for 330 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. DTR has only rushed for 231 and four touchdowns. So Bo Nix has actually been used more in the run game. Now, His is even a little bit more wide open, but Zach Charbonnet in that backfield with UCLA, a lot of that read option stuff with DTR. The point is in this, I think a lot of this is about the respect for Autzen as a difficult place to play. And I just got to go out there three weeks ago Mm. for the Stanford game. That's a very, very active college football environment. Really loud, really raucous, really dialed in fan base that I'm sure is going to be pumped. All of those things that factor into this that make it a really tough place to play college football. I get that. And, and UCLA isn't used to playing in those environments. Well, I mean, especially not at this point, what we've seen with their home games at the Rose Bowl that have been largely anonymously attended right. and sparsely attended. And this is a team that's been kind of ignored. Like, I think as far as undefeateds go, Ole Miss in the SEC and UCLA in the Pac-12 have both been basically ignored by national coverage because you had comparatively more interesting vessels, right? You've got Tennessee that's still undefeated right now, um, and Georgia's still undefeated in the SEC. You had USC undefeated for a long time. Utah got bounced early in the season, but even they got more love. Washington got more love for a little bit. And all that happened was UCLA went out and kicked the teeth out of Washington and Utah in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Brandon, I um, this game will be in six thick picks. Spoiler alert. And I love UCLA and the six points in this game. That defense has been really good. And that Utah offense that we just saw shred through USC's defense did not have that same level of yep. success. That Washington defense that early in the season I watched shred through, albeit a bad Michigan State team, but really good bones on a passing offense. Caleb DeBoer knows what he's doing, the head coach of that team. And UCLA still managed to go out there and give them hell. Statistically, they're one of the top, I believe, I think they're 14th as far as yards per rush allowed in the country. So this is a really good defense that's walking in there. You talked about Mo, uh, Rob Sala talk, saying that the Jets' D-line was a bowling ball of knives. That's how I would describe the UCLA yeah. offense. They are fast and furious and inflict pain. And they started doing that last year. Wow. And because they lost a few more games, we didn't notice as much. Chip Kelly revenge game going out to Autzen. I don't know if UCLA wins outright, but I love UCLA plus six in this game. So that's a nice segue into... Our picks for the weeks. Uh, Six thick picks, Brandon. Um, We have that, and we have Brandon Newman's Spooky Locktober Underdog Play of the Weekend. I will get my comparatively less important picks out of the way so that we can clear the runway for Brandon and his Spooky Locktober (laughs) Underdog Play. He is one-on-one on the season so far since we started doing this because it was the month of October because it is spooky. Because as Brandon's pointed out, football gets spooky. Everything gets a little weird right now. Spooky. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And you got to watch out for it. Um, so, uh, my picks uh, for the weekend. College football, like I just mentioned. UCLA plus six on the road against Oregon. Again, tough environment, all that stuff. Oregon absolutely live enough on offense and has enough talent on defense, even if they're not as stout up front as I imagine they'd be. Um, UCLA plus six in that game. Ole Miss plus two against LSU on the road. LSU flying high after beating Florida last weekend. I think people are going to overrate how much that offense may have figured out. Little closed door meeting with the offense there, players only stuff with Jaden Daniels, their, Jalen Daniels, their quarterback. I don't know if it's as fixed as it looked against Florida. And so I think this is a little bit of an overcorrection. Jackson Dart's not perfect, but in that Ole Miss offense, you don't really need to be. I think there was a game this year where they had three running backs over 100 yards. They want to murder you on the ground first and foremost. So I like Ole Miss plus two in that game. And then Texas and Oklahoma State over 60 and a half. Um, Oklahoma State, one of their D linemen that have been banged Ooh. up in the middle, just announced that he is going to step away from the team and start preparing for the draft. They gave up a bunch of points in that loss to TCU on the road last Damn. week. And this Texas offense with Quinn Ewers is a live dog. Texas is about a touchdown favorite in this game. I think largely based on the fact that, number one, Oklahoma State does not have anyone overly special in their offensive room. That was the biggest difference between them and TCU. TCU had Quinton Johnston, who is an electric Sunday talent. And Oklahoma State has a bunch of really good fast guys and a veteran quarterback who, if you have aired out too much, will throw interceptions. So you combine that with what Texas is doing right now, I think that has the making for points in this game. Because Oklahoma State still put up points against TCU. I still think that can be the case. I like the over 60 and a half there. Um, remember for me, I am 15, 25, and 2 on the season. College football picks have been getting better as of late. NFL, this is where we're going to try and right the ship. Jets plus 1 this weekend. Uh, like that play. Okay. Like that play for them this weekend. Uh, Jets plus 1. Um, against the Denver Broncos, let Russ cook. Results may vary. Um, the Jets are a real football team now. They're a real football team that on both sides of the line of scrimmage kicked the shit out of the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau last week. The Broncos look even more hapless. I like the Jets plus one. Uh, Bears and Patriots uh, over 40 points. Bill Belichick came out and gave, I think, roughly a 10,000-word essay about how much he loves the personnel for the Chicago Bears and how great Justin Fields and company are, which means they are going to route these guys. And I think the Bears might be able to accidentally walk <laughs> themselves into a couple of points on that front. But... Um, I think over. I think overall, uh, Bears Patriots. The Patriots roll on this one. We'll keep doing the Bailey Zappy thing because why not? We'll make it fun. And uh, Brandon Cowboys minus seven. Uh, I know we talked about it with the Detroit Lions, but I just think that Detroit defense not up to the task enough. I think what the Cowboys have been doing on offense good enough to get them this win. Good enough to cover the number. Um, now I will get out of the way for the spooky October underdog play of the weekend. Brandon, the floor is yours. Ah, 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 ah. 
plus five at LA Chargers. <laughs> Michael, believe in Geno Smith. He is Jack from The Nightmare Before Christmas, the original anti hero. He's back, he's black, and he's taking names. Because guess what? He didn't write back when they wrote him off. And I don't believe in the Chargers at all, and neither should you, if you're listening. I mean, the Chargers did need overtime to beat the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football, which is not a ringing endorsement. Mike, Mike, they're a 4-2 football team, and they've played one good team. And that was the opener. And they lost to the Chiefs. Then they they lost embarrassingly to Trevor Lawrence in a route. Almost lost to the Texans. Barely beat the Browns. And barely beat the, beat the Broncos, like you said. Mike, I just believe in Geno when I believe in these Chargers. I really do think that the rest of the season, and I'm not going to play uh, schedule bingo for the rest of the season for the Chargers, but it does not look good. I think they may be one of the worst teams in football. And if not one of the worst teams in football, one of the worst records in football by the end of the season. Man, it's just, again, cursed franchise. I, I don't I wouldn't go far as far as to say one of the worst teams in football, but I would definitely say cursed franchise, one that definitely is susceptible to something like this. If anyone's going to get spooky Locktobered, it is for sure a team that is already haunted. So Brandon, I actually think that's a wonderful pick based on all of the supernatural <laughs> forces that are at play in here. So again, Brandon one and one on the season. Yes. I am 15, 25, and two. So take it with a grain of salt. I am almost fading myself. I'm so inside my own head at this point about a lot of these things. <laughs> and we're we're trying to scratch and claw our way back into this. Hopefully, Christ saving power and Taylor Swift's uh, beauty and paradise will work its way into my body. Don't think I missed that anti-hero line that I know you looked at the track list and I know you worked in there for me <laughs> because you're a good man and deep down in places you don't want to talk about at parties. You're actually kind of just excited right now. I am not, but I can't wait to be. I can't wait for you to be either, Brandon. Hey, that's you know honest. What, Brandon? That is honest. And that's all I can say. For someone who I made watch Taylor Swift um, track list releases against his will on this podcast a multitude of times, I appreciate that level of honesty and the openness to that. Brandon, you know what else I appreciate about you? How great what? you look in a fresh pair of knockaround sunglasses. Brandon, yeah. knockaround sunglasses are the perfect accoutrement to all the chaos that we have going on in the world right now in the NFL music and otherwise. Because while everyone else is out there showing with their face and their eyes how worried they are and how perplexed they are, you can look cool, calm, and collected behind your knockaround dugout sunglasses that I see you just put on here for the YouTube audience. Knockaround's polarized sunglasses cost mm -hmm. around $30 a pair. There are 15 different frames, a ton of different colors, one of which Brandon is modeling right now. The dugout pair, perfect for the Major League Baseball postseason. If you don't want one of their pre-made pairs, you can customize. There's over a billion possible combinations in the Knockaround Custom Shop. They're perfect for a variety of occasions. Going out to a ball game. Take, take, taking someone out to a ball game. Sitting in your room. <laughs> maybe going on a plane. I don't know. If you were flying to Pittsburgh to drive to, ha drive to Happy Valley tomorrow... 
and you were going to listen to Taylor Swift's new album the entire way and probably cry deeply at altitude because it has that kind of effect on you, you could put knock around sunglasses on to hide a little bit of that emotion so a woman next to you doesn't ask if you're okay as you cry onto your iPad watching Coco on a plane. That didn't happen to me. Maybe. Maybe it did. Um, lightweight, great clarity, <laughs> knock around sunglasses or high quality polarized shades at a truly affordable price. Right now, our listeners can get 20% off. You go to knockaround.com, you enter code Gojo at checkout for 20% off. That's promo code Gojo at checkout at knockaround.com to get 20% off your order of sunglasses. Brandon, with all that being said, you know what time it is? Yep. Ghostbusters! Something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! If there's something weird, this dad in the third. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! I ain't afraid of no ghost. Phenomenal performance. The the most mailed in effort of figuring out where to put this, that, and the third to date. <laughs> How dare you? How dare, Am I, I wrong? Did switch it originally. <laughs> originally, I did want to have it in the first stanza, but it's just you know, it's just. Hey, it's a vibes based economy around here. I respect you audibling on the fly. This this that and the third is too many syllables to. For Ghostbusters. Listen. So I can't, I can't, who you gonna call? This, that, and the third? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, whatever. I, no, I, I, listen, you know what? I think, I you know what? In light of that, maybe I was a little bit too critical too soon. I think you did make the right decision. <laughs> it was just funny that it only came up once. But I am not the judge, jury, and executioner on this. <laughs> At Gojo Show on Twitter. Download, subscribe, <laughs> rate, review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And tell Brandon what you thought of that. And continue to send your suggestions here for a spooky October full of this, that, and the thirds. You know what, Mike? You know what? I'm getting handicapped because people didn't make scary songs past the 1980s. If some For some reason, it was a thing that was popular. And then everybody was like, nope, we're not doing this no more. So I didn't grow up with these songs. Like, I know Ghostbusters roughly, but... You know, it, they, it, it, it is true. It's 1983 is when that 1984 is when that song came out. Halloween needs a little bit more help culturally in a way that Christmas got when they made Elf, because it's not often that we get to add yes. new things to canon. It's a hard genre to crack into, and movie wise, Christmas had that. The Polar Express, I think, would loosely qualify in that as well. And the, as a horror movie. And then musically, we talked about the Casey Musgraves Christmas album the other day. We've added new music to it. Sia has a... I, I make this plea every year. If you're looking for a Christmas album, Sia has one of the best Christmas albums I've ever heard. It is so versatile. It is so good for a cold night indoors by a fire. You will not regret it. All that is to say, we've added new stuff to that. Halloween probably needs a little bit of help. They do. They do. Every, every, I, I just... Mike, I know there's probably some things that I say that put you on pause in this podcast. Your <laughs> your takes on Christmas albums and and they're so they're so unforgivably white. The caucasity of these takes. 
Like, I know you white, like, when we not doing this, too, but damn. I know. I know. And Brandon, <laughs> where we're going is only going to get whiter. Let's get to this. It's like you're studying for a test. <laughs> <laughs> Was it on uh Oh, uh, it, it, it feels like we're reading an encyclopedia about white people right now. Anyway, before we get to Taylor Swift's album, <laughs> speaking of white people, um, just kidding. It's for everybody. I'm not going to do the Al Michaels thing. Everybody can love Taylor Swift. I know plenty of people across race, gender, and all sorts of lines that enjoy Taylor Swift's music. Mm-hmm. That is dated software. What kind of not how we update operate around here. Brandon, let's get to this, though. Speaking of updating software, um, college football playoff expansion uh, conversations happened. The CFP committee met and is undecided about current routes for expansion, but are hopeful that 2024 is still a possibility, according to Bill Hancock, the executive of the College Football Playoff Committee. He also said that first-round games for a 12-team playoff will for sure be on campus. That, according to the Athletics' Nicole Arbach. And Brandon, to me, that's one of the most important things on this. I've said that this is always going to be something that, until there's true collective bargaining, is kind of unfair to the players. You're adding more to their plate without paying them any of the money that comes from this. NIL doesn't count. That money doesn't come from the TV revenues or from the schools. They're getting out of jail free on that. But one of the important things, I think, as far as an environment for college football is to have these be games played on home sites. We already have so many of these early season games that are Alabama playing Florida State or USC or some of these things that happen off-site. Oregon and Georgia, while it happened in Atlanta and made it a pseudo-Georgia home game, it didn't take place in Athens. It didn't take place at Autzen. And so I think having meaningful games late in the season that take place on campus is important for college football at this juncture. Yeah, you got to give the fans a little bit of something, right? Like, I know we've been proven to be mobile and spend the money when our team makes something or when our team just is in a location that we'd love to vacation in, we'll go. But you got to give the the students and the fans and I think the people who are living in these, the people of South Bend, Mike, like, I, I think it's important to give something to a gift to the community for reaching the playoffs as well. And now I, th- I believe there's also a caveat where you can use like a close stadium of your choice if you don't want to do yours. So if you're in South Bend and oh, you nice. don't want to host a first round playoff game in the middle of December and you want to do it, say in Indianapolis in an indoor stadium, Lucas I believe Oil. that's available to you as an option. But yeah, like you said, it's supposed nice. to be a reward. And we always hear that with the CFP. It's why the higher-ranked seeded team gets to choose the geographic location for the CFP semifinal site that's most advantageous to them, both proximity-wise for their fans, like the home field advantage idea. This needs to be a thing. It would be so cool to see some of these stadiums get to host these kind of games that would be the marquee out-of-conference games that are normally auctioned off to the highest bidder. So hopefully that continues on this trek. I will be stunned if this thing isn't cracked open by 2020. Although the TV rights portion of this is still probably the biggest deterrent of that. So I shouldn't say I'd be stunned. I would actually be stunned the other way because TV money and the desire for especially the Big Ten as this becomes the Big Ten and Fox versus the SEC and ESPN. I will be shocked if the Big Ten faction of this does not try and give their TV partners a crack at this. I never thought about the fact that how excited Fox is that USC and UCLA is joining and that, the Big and that they've both been really good so far this year. So you've got that going on. Um, Brandon, let's get to that. We talked so much 
about Christian McCaffrey and that news. Uh, we've got a little bit of uh, upset in paradise here, although I guess you can't consider the Jets true paradise right now, but improving. Uh, <laughs> Elijah Moore, the uh, former Ole Miss wide receiver and Jets draft pick, has been unhappy with his usage in the offense, frustrated, and is requesting a trade right now. Brandon, I don't really know if I see this happening. This is one of those situations where the Jets offense right now is – imperfect and more predicated on the ground things and things low and slow as Zach Wilson comes back from injury and starts to develop into a top, you know, upper end quarterback. Garrett Wilson, clearly the better receiver of the two. Garrett Wilson, Mm -hmm. understandably garnering a lion's share of targets. Brees Hall, easier to get the ball to right now. I think this is one that if the Jets can sit on this, unless someone's willing to throw funny money at them, which I don't really feel like that would be the case maybe just yet. Although, if you're the Ravens right now who are down Rashad Bateman at wide receiver still who could use a target, maybe someone makes a compelling offense. But if you're the Jets, sitting on this as your quarterback develops and counting on the fact that there will be more touches in this offense to go around could be the out for this team in this situation. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the Jets, Mike, but you just gave me a carrot with the Ravens and them cheap MFers. Went out and bought Deshaun Jackson. Like, they might as well. It's, Mike, go buy a wide receiver. Go buy someone that can help. Don't sign someone to the practice squad that doesn't have their knees under them anymore. Elijah Moore would be perfect. Because he's, you're right, he's not Garrett Wilson. But he's capable and I don't understand how this, how they can just sit on him, Mike, because if Robert Sala is already giving him personal days because he doesn't want to be there, I don't, I, don't, I don't see how this meshes with the football team moving forward. Listen, if they could flip him for something meaningful before the deadline, maybe they'd be amenable to that. But I think you've spent a lot of time and effort accruing weapons around your young quarterback to try and make that offense a hospitable place for him. And I don't feel like this is the juncture where giving those up is going to be good business. That's just me. But again, maybe someone wows them with an offer and he's that disgruntled enough. My guess would be if they can work this out, one of the next games we see, there's probably in a lot a lot of Elijah Moore targets built in for the Jets. So um, usually that's how you solve these problems. All right, Brandon. Now that we've left childish things aside, Let's get to the third. And before we get into the third, (laughs) let's remind people that part of this entire experience that we've talked about today, wall-to-wall starting with the NFL, working its way through Thursday Night Football, all the way to Taylor Swift's release, Christian McCaffrey's trade, is a good reminder that there are very few things as exhilarating as live action. And we had live action last night. And someone that wants to get you to live action, Brandon, our new friends at Game Time. And they're not that new anymore. They've been around for a couple weeks now. We love game time. There are people that support us. Support those people, as Stu Gatz often says. Uh, Game time is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the game right now. It guarantees the lowest prices on all your tickets to sporting events, concerts, shows. It wants to give you the option. So logging into this app, super easy to use. Based on where you are geographically, it's going to pull you up a nice menu of all the different events in your area, all the different things that we just mentioned across sports, entertainment, and otherwise. It's going to give you the option to see the lowest price for the tickets to that event, even up to the day of the event itself. Then you can go through, check that out, and before you buy a ticket, you can actually look and see what the view from your seat would look like right there inside the app. 
And then when you're all done, checkout takes less than 30 seconds. It's super easy to use. I am so excited to use this for the summer concert circuit going into next year to try and go bum Harry Styles tickets off because Harry Styles is coming to LA for 15 15 shows at the Forum. Best believe I will be at more than one thanks to the folks at Game Time. So do yourself that same favor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and then redeem promo code GOJO to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's GOJO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Brandon. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Yes, Mike. It's time to get to the third. Taylor Swift's Midnight's album review. I know you were a little bit hesitant at first. Has any of the rest of this podcast arguing about Jimmy Garoppolo made you more willing to accept Taylor Swift's saving light into your life? I'm willing and open to allow Taylor Swift to illuminate me, move me, uh, literally and figuratively. But I do feel like we need a little bit of the the, the buffer guy to introduce your review of it because you've been pretty animated so i just want to give you a i got quiet because i realized everyone's oh yeah you you gotta see you got you got family and kids you gotta worry about waking up don't want to do that not the smartest move brandon thankfully that was a wonderful intro though i appreciate it and i'm actually like i'm in a good place where i think i've gotten to process this enough now to where i can give you a coherent look because i i realize all my energy at the beginning it's great for other taylor swift fans i want to make sure that this is something that can resonate with more people including you this is a good test for me as the target audience here so for a little background for people this is taylor's 10th studio album there's always a worry when an artist gets up into this range and has been making music for this long is someone going to fall off at some point taylor Mm. swift made two really big time albums over the course of the pandemic folklore hit right in the middle of 2020 and was something that was huge for a lot of people myself included So you get to this and you're like, all right, how can she keep this up? It's 13 songs and the theme behind this, which I know you love an album theme, Brandon, something coherent from start to finish, is the things that keep us up at night. Hopes, dreams, insecurities, new love, love that's flaming out, all these different things wrapped into one. These are songs that Taylor has supposedly written over the years during the nights where she couldn't sleep. And so you go through and... It's a wide variety of topics in this, Brandon. There is certainly a heavy influence and theme from the dust-up with Kanye West and Kim Kardashian over the years, going all the way back to, obviously, the first encounter between Taylor Swift and Kanye West at the VMAs um, that shows up, I think, in two tracks, more than most in Vigilante shit and Karma, which Karma, subtle as a sledgehammer on that one. But, um, Brandon... I think start to finish, for Taylor Swift fans, this will make sense. I saw a tweet that said that this was essentially, if Taylor Swift's album, I want, you know what, I want to give the tweet credit here. I have it pulled up right in front of me. Tanya Anderson tweeted, this is like if Reputation Taylor took a gummy, and I am so very here for it. Because right away when this album starts off with lavender haze brandon it's a little sexier than i was ready for it's kind of defiant taylor says the f word a bunch on this album which is a stark departure from what we got in the past for a long time and 
there's a lot of different styles. Brandon, I think an interesting comp for you on this that might be helpful because there are elements certainly of her old albums in this. But I think right away, and Nicole Arbach texted this to me and I agree with it. Lavender Haze starts off, gives a lot of Harry's house, a lot of Harry Styles vibes mm-hmm. in that one mm-hmm. in kind of the sexy, mysterious way it approaches thing. Brandon, I think a lot of this on here gives a little bit of Kanye West 808 and Heartbreaks in various forms across this album as far as being a little bit of a departure from the norm. This one made it a time where it can be a little bit more accepted because the experimental Taylor really happened back on Red. I think Mm. for Taylor Swift fans, I will give my three favorite tracks on the album so far through one listen were vigilante shit. It is low, it is brooding for Taylor Swift fans. Nobody, no crime, but even more dangerous and more from Taylor's perspective. I think Nobody, No Crime was really a Carrie Underwood sh- song that she was out there doing. After that one, Antihero. You referenced it earlier on this podcast and don't think I didn't catch that. Um, it is, that's the one that I thought, oh, this kind of gives a little bit of 808s and heartbreaks to it. There's a fictional daughter-in-law that Taylor Swift writes about in this song. It's all really electric, and it paints a really good story in a picture. And then, Brandon, I think pound for pound, as far as finishers on Taylor Swift's album go, Masterminds is as good as it gets. It sounds like it could be the end of a John Hughes movie. It sounds like it could be the needle drop at the end of Palm Springs, which is one of my favorite recent recent rom-coms. I think it's one of the best finishers she's ever had on an album. I think... For this album, the track five, which in Taylor Swift lore is usually the track of note. It is a song that's supposed to be of, you know, even more importance. You're on your own, kid. Didn't devastate me in the ways that I expected. It's a good Mm. song, I think, relative to a lot of her track fives. It's not necessarily the strongest one there, but it's a very good song. And overall, Brandon, couldn't be happier with the album. From start to finish... Not many skips, if any, that I encountered in that first listen. They're all different enough. There are some that are just surface-level songs. Songs that'll be fun. Bejeweled is that kind of song. Labyrinth is that kind of song. Sweet Nothing. They're all kind of familiar with the names, but they work because they all feel kind of lucid. They're the kind of things that you would think if you were waking up in the middle of the night and not necessarily thinking fully 100%. So, Brandon, I, I had a blast with this. I think... I think even people that are not fans of Taylor Swift can find things on this album that they would enjoy. Like, I think there are multiple songs on this album that you would find interesting, especially sonically in some of the things that she does. Well, Mike, I I don't have a lot of experience with Taylor Swift outside of 1989. I am intrigued, but there's one feature on this album, and I am familiar with her discography in Lana Del Rey. What is snow on the beach like? So this one is going to be a little bit controversial, I think, because with Taylor Swift, there's this longstanding thing where for years, until Phoebe Bridgers on the most recent, um, one of the re-record albums, there hadn't been a female artist who had been given a verse in one of the songs. Mm. It was the song Nothing New that featured Phoebe on it, where she got an actual verse. And besides that, it's always been something that's kind of struck a weird chord with different sects of the Taylor Swift fan base. And I'm still waiting. I have to look up more on this one because 
sound wise I couldn't exactly tell where it was I didn't feel like on first view and I know some people were looking at like the Lana Del Rey message boards and it doesn't seem like she got a verse I don't want to say that definitively yet because I need to look because again they do some things with the vocals there's been tracks in the past with like time on there where people have been layered into the backgrounds on this one um so which is what I feel like I, I feel like when I push play on that song I heard Lana first. And if you're telling me that there's no verse in that song featuring her, then it is just background vibes. Yeah, which, I mean, happened. She had Chris Stapleton uh, on a track on the re-record, and he just was background vocals the entire time. So not sure, but that's one that I think could be the interesting little bit of buzz one for the people really deep inside the Taylor Swift hive. So obviously there's going to be a lot of... Stuff that even for that and for coverage of this that will far exceed anything that I can do outside of just shouting in excitement. Nora Princiati, Nathan Hubbard, every single album, Taylor Swift, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. I'm sure we'll have a stunning, glowing review of this that will dive deep into all the nooks and crannies that we love. Brandon? Well, I mean, I, can, can I give you my, my top three worst songs based on title? Yes, Brandon. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, just top three, you know, uh, Maroon, uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe the yeah, best song okay. lyrically on the album. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, Mastermind. <laughs> yeah, love the movie, hated the song title. Um, and then Midnight Rain. Like, okay, yeah, I, I okay, slow down, <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> Midnight Rain. Um, and that's my review. Midnight Rain's actually a super interesting one. It sounds like an R&B track at the beginning. Really Ooh. weird little like really weird little bit of distortion they do at a couple parts in that. Sounds like an R&B song ends up being about someone outgrowing a lover because of their passions. Look at that. Look at how smoky in I'm showing Mike the the picture oh. of Taylor Swift on the Apple Music and she is looking like she's starring in a film noir. She is, and there's a lot of people wondering about the lighter on the cover, where that comes from. Is Taylor Swift smoking now? We don't think so. We don't know for sure. It's all Ooh. very mysterious. She used to rip cigs back in the day, right? No. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Uh, Virginia Brandon, swims. Oh, my God. We appreciate everyone that ripped their way through this podcast and was hopefully either rewarded or punished with a Taylor Swift review at the end of it. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check out the DraftKings YouTube channel, the Gojo with Michael Jr. playlist, so you can watch Brandon jumping up and down to finish off this Friday. Thanks so much. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.